So Paul's near his conclusion to this chapter, this amazing chapter on uh, dead to sin. That is to say, dead to the judgment of sin, the identity of sin, the condemnation of sin, the execution of sin, all of that because Christ has died for us. And we live without this uh, sin issue reigning over us. And the word reigning there is important because that's a very major idea uh, in this whole chapter. Sin is not something, you've heard me say this many times, not something we do only or merely, but something that does us. It reigns over us and dominates us with the power of death and judgment. But we are freed from that. And so Paul now says, but now, having been set free from sin, that is set free from the judgment and identity of sin, and even more accurately, set free from from the kingdom of sin uh, that Adam brought in, where once he sinned, the power of sin and death reigned over the whole planet, over every human being. Now, having been set free from that by Christ, who has brought in a new humanity, in him we are counted as righteous and whole, as if we had never sinned. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. You notice that we're set free from one thing to be set free for another. And uh, we've heard me already talk about this love slavery that we now uh, have a relationship in, in which we have this relationship with God. We are slaves of God in a friendly, loving sense, not in the servile and cruel and heartless sense uh, in which Paul uses the word in uh, the book of Galatians, where he says we're no longer slaves but sons of God. So this is a different kind of expression here. It can be also translated servants, uh, loving servants. But even Jesus said, I call you no longer servants, I call you my friends, because I have told you, uh, and sons, I have told you everything that the Father has told me. So remember that when we are looking at our personal struggles with sin or addiction, we are bringing ourselves not to a neutral point where sort of we are freed from sin, so what are we doing now? We're just floating in the atmosphere and we're belonging neither to sin nor to righteousness. No, we're freed from sin so that we can be devoted to God. Now, think of that in relation to your struggles. You may have unconsciously put your sin issue or your addiction as a massive barrier between you and God. And you feel that you can't be devoted to him because this uh, addiction you have uh, takes part of your life and part of your fellowship with God away. And so you say, I, I wish I could be devoted to God like that. Well, listen, faith is the message that I bring to you in saying you no long that a barrier of your addiction no longer separates you from god it is counted as dead it is counted as uh, removed from you and cast into the depths of the sea this is where um, we believe that that the gospel message has lowered the mountains and raised the valleys and made a clear road for us to the kingdom of god you know we create our own barriers 
Very often, I assure you, we do. They're not simply there um, outside of us objectively uh, separating us from God. We create them. Oh, if I didn't have this problem, I'd be such a devoted Christian. Or if I weren't struggling with alcohol, I would be such a uh, a devoted uh, Christian. And we bemoan the fact that these barriers or the idea, the myth that these barriers are there. But the gospel message is that Jesus Christ counts us, justifies us, while we are ungodly. That is why the barrier, from a, from a psychological point of view, still exists. But we now believe that God has taken away all the judgment from us and the identity of our sin, which means that the barrier, psychologically and spiritually, does not exist so that you may say before God, Father, I am devoted to you. I thank you so much that though I struggle with my sin issue, I am devoted to you. I keep bouncing back. I keep looking to you for grace and mercy. I I acknowledge my sin before you. I do not count my human nature of any value because uh, it is counted as dead in Christ, and I count myself alive in his resurrection. Do you see then, do not let what is a psychological or behavioral uh, barrier actually separate you from God and cause you to feel that you cannot be devoted. For in his kingdom and in his grace, that barrier has been removed by the atoning work of Christ on the cross. So we go forward, you see. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. Now, notice, fruit, not work. You are not now creating a new kind of works. Um, You've been forgiven of your sins. Now you have to work your way up again. No, that's not it. It's fruitage. Well, fruitage comes from uh, deep rootage, doesn't it? Uh, Deep rooting in God. And that's where we are devoted to him. You can tell God, Father, I am devoted to you. You don't have to believe you're faking it because Christ has become your righteousness and because Christ has taken the judgment of that barrier of your addiction away. There's nothing separating you now between you and God. But the word holiness, it sounds rather cold, doesn't it? Does that, Do you, uh, perhaps you've come from legalism or perfectionism where holiness uh, is a real cold idea and, and we're uh, attending regular meetings every week in cold uh, buildings that are not properly heated because we can't afford the bill and uh, we're uh, snuggled up in our uh, uh, overcoats listening to a rather drab sermon or Bible teaching and this is supposed to be what holiness is. No, that's not what it is, is it? Holiness is beautiful. Holiness is being kind to others, is reaching out to a neighbor, is uh, going uh, uh, the extra mile for somebody in, in need. Holiness is warmth. It is gathering someone, people in your house to fellowship with, to have a meal with, to share the word with, to sing together uh, with, to enjoy fellowship, to be supportive, to um, 
uh, have that Passover meal, you know, uh, that is really the sharing of the fellowship with Jesus um, uh, that we have by virtue of his life and death for us. Holiness is filling the earth with goodness. It is making light shine in the darkness. It is making warmth um, spread where there is coldness of heart. So when we think of holiness, we think of the joy of God. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's holiness. Uh, let's try to get away from this idea of its being cold. And the fruit of this holiness has its end, which is everlasting life. And then comes a verse which leads many people to turn a cold shoulder to the book of Romans chapter 6. In fact, so many people see chapter 6, Dead to Sin, as a sort of threat because they misunderstand what it's all about. It's not dead to sin in the sense that you have arrived at such a level of sanctification that you no longer feel desires for sin anymore. No, it means dead to sin in that you, the judgment and the identity uh, and uh, the... uh, Uh, condemnation for sin has been taken away from you by the death and resurrection of Jesus. So the book is not a threat, and verse 23 is not a threat, for the wages of sin is death. How do you hear that? Do you hear somebody preaching from a towering pulpit and saying, and pointing his finger at you and saying, the wages of sin is death? No, it's what Paul, what Paul is doing is simply telling us what sin does. It kills us. He's telling us that living in the sin kingdom of Adam, where there is endless guilt, an endless sense of shame, an endless sense of fear, and whenever we fail or trip up or um, do something wrong, we are plunged into despair and despondency and depression, that's death. That's a living death, and it ends up as death. He's not simply telling us, he's not merely telling us, don't sin, else it'll kill you and you'll die. He's saying, don't live in that sin sin kingdom anymore, because it's the death state. The wages of sin is a death state, and it will ultimately lead um, to, uh, to, to death. But Christ will not let that happen because he is going to reverse the order of the kingdom of sin and death by his kingdom of uh, righteousness and life. For it says then, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift. Notice how the contrast is made between wages and gift. We earn our way to death, we earn our way to uh, the separation from God by the works of sin and the belief that we're living in the sin kin- kingdom of Adam uh, are. So we earn our way, we earn our way to a separation from God by what we do and what we think and believe. But the gift of God is very different. Even faith is a gift from God. And it's a gift that enables us to believe that though we are in this broken world and we are dysfunctional Christians and we don't really know much about the grace of God, we know a little bit about it because God has given it to us. And that is a gift 
which causes us to believe that we have eternal life. How do you know that you have eternal life? Are you on probation with God? Is your life one long probation where you are held at bay and God says, well, we'll see how you do and see how you perform, and if you manage to measure up by the end of your life, the angels will let you in. Is that what your Christian life is all about? Well, that is not what Christian life is. Christian life is knowing that we have received a gift, and the gift is eternal life. It's not, I'll give you this thing if you behave. It is, I will give you this thing out of my love and my mercy for you. And as I give you my love and mercy, you will grow. Live in my love and mercy, and you will create, you will produce, not create, but produce fruit. And that fruit will be growing more and more into eternal life. This is the message that God has for us. You are freed from sin, the power of sin, not because you have exerted yourself brilliantly with great fortitude and willpower, but because Christ has taken the judgment of sin away from you, and you are counted as righteous in him. Believe it, enjoy it, and the fruit will follow. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, Colin Cook here and How It Happens. You can hear this program on the radio KLTT AM 670 at 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning on uh, in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states areas. You can also hear the program on your smartphone. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com and key in How It Happens with Colin Cook when you get there. And would you consider some end-of-year donation to help the ministry get through the winter months and this radio broadcast to stay on the air, send your donation to P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. That's FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. Or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. That's faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much then for all your support. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless. <music> 